Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we've got my great friend, Mr. Leon G. Barnes with Collective Genius and Kansas Property Solutions. Leon flew in from Tampa to share how he's buying 30 properties a year remotely as a side hustle. Now, I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on this show alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years if you will take consistent action. The fastest way to become a millionaire is to get really good at sales. Our sales community has been up for a few months now and our members are already closing more deals. If you want to be surrounded by sales assassins from around the country, go check out salesdisruptors.com. And the show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to millions of cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com and put in disruptors to get 10% off. And guys, if you get value today, please hit that subscribe button. We got to let YouTube know this is really good stuff, and that's the way we let them know. And uh, ready? I'm so ready. Long time coming. Long time coming. So first question is, is what was your life like before real estate? Wow. Um, you've, tr you've switched up questions on me there. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I've had, I'm the youngest, you know this, I'm the youngest old person you'll ever meet in your <laughs> life. I feel like I've had like three, three careers, three lives, mul multiple chapters. Um, I started out wanting to be on SportsCenter. I was a basketball player and I loved Sports Center in the 90s. And so I was a broadcast journalism major. Mm -hmm. um, looked at what my first job would be as a television sports reporter. Um, I was going to make less than I was making in college at the time. $17,000 didn't sound fun. Um, so I took a job as a radio play by play voice of an indoor soccer team um, and then went into the arena football for, for a few years and realized that in order to become Joe Buck, uh, or Al Michaels and make the type of money that they make. I just didn't have the patience for it. I mean, like, um, we're talking about how long? Five and a half years. Five and a half years? In broadcasting in general. For a chance. Oh, for a chance. Now, if you are Joe Buck and, and, and guys like that that have that type of talent, mm -hmm. which I did not, um, you know, you can get a fast track. Mm -hmm. For me, it was probably going to take me a good 15 years, 10, yeah. 15 years. That's um, off the table. Yeah, and so I was just going to have to grind, and I would have gotten there. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, just work ethic-wise, I would have gotten there. Uh, but I had friends, man, that were in pharmaceutical sales and all these other things that sounded so much more cooler than my experiences because I was with sports teams traveling, working all the time, um, and making – they would make as much as I would make in a year. They would make in maybe a, two, a month or two. Right. And they said, Leon, you are in public relations, in broadcasting. You would be perfect in sales. And so I made a switch into advertising sales into corporate and did that for 11 years uh, before I got into real estate. Loved selling, did that. And going up the corporate ladder, um, you know, I'm the first person in my family to graduate from college um, and that I know of. I mean, I... I don't know anybody in my family other than a cousin that has graduated from college. Yeah. And so going up that corporate ladder was winning for me. It's what my grandfather told me. Hey, get a good job and go up the corporate ladder. I did yeah. that. Was even living in Hawaii at the time, uh, running a, the entire state there for that company. Um, and I had just realized I was done with corporate after 11 years. Um, it really was probably more like after eight and then made that switch. Why were you done with corporate? I probably wouldn't have been done with corporate. I was just done with that corporation. Mm -hmm. I have, 
I don't pat myself on the back for a lot of things because I feel like a lot of my successes come from relationships and working hard. Um, but I always feel like I'm pretty good at knowing when the bottom is about to fall out of something. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I say that with proof behind it. Um, right. Every sports team that I ever worked for um, all are out of business. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, there were, um, and in that industry, I know, again, I'm the youngest old person you know. Mm-hmm. I started selling Yellow Pages, the belliest, the belly-to-belliest business that you could do with small business owners selling advertising in Yellow Pages. That's what I did. Uh, I enjoyed the hustle of, the, of getting to know different industries. Man, I would see an attorney in the morning and a pig farmer in the afternoon that was selling tarps as a side hustle and needed to have an ad in the phone book. Even mm-hmm. though it wasn't a $20,000 ad, it was that ad, that $200 ad makes me a lot of money as my side hustle so I can keep my farm going. I just, it, it allowed me to develop my, my ability to connect with anyone. Oh, yeah. So I'm very thankful for that. I love that. And then as you continue to go up the corporate ladder and you get into an area sales manager and a regional sales manager, and then it becomes... I won't say babysitting, um, but it becomes management of people that don't have the same work ethic as you. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that, being handcuffed by the policies and procedures of big corporations that have a lot of liability. I get it now at 46 years old. I understand why they have those things in place, but it just it wasn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. So what'd you do? I mean, and whatever you did, you're gonna have to leave Hawaii. Or are you trying to stay in Hawaii when you transition? That's a great question. Um, I could have stayed in Hawaii, uh, but my wife and I had just had our first son. We made the decision that we were going to go back to the Midwest because the amount of money that I was making in Hawaii what made me um, uh, really close to the poverty line oh, in really? Hawaii. <laughs> Even though I was making really good money, I felt like I could never catch up. In, this, in the state, and I love it. I miss that state. Uh, I met some great people that I consider family to this day. Uh, my son was born there. He has the name Kai for that very reason. Um, but we, we made a decision to go back to the Midwest. I'm originally from the Kansas City area, and uh, my wife and I both graduated from Wichita State University, so we're both, a lot of my professional career was in Wichita. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I had enough contacts to go back there, and her, we had family support there. My wife's yeah. family, their entire family, for the most part, lived there. So then what'd you do? Um, interesting. Um, in my Yellow Page advertising, by the way, that evolved into digital, which was fun. I was selling mostly digital in Hawaii. Um, and converting that business was fun. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that, Google ruled that, and to make that switch was going to be tough. So again, when I say in the, you know, I saw the writing on the wall, that print advertising, it was going to be tough uphill battle, yeah. right? Um, and so I, I knew I wanted to get away from that at that particular point. Um, but, you know, along that journey, my first year selling, 2003, remember it was like it was yesterday, and this goes to any salesperson that's listening to this, whether it's business sales or real estate sales. Back in the day, they had the dot matrix print. <laughs> Again, I'm the youngest old man, you know what I mean? We had leads that were on green bar paper, and they were like this, this big with the things you had to pull off the yeah. sides. <laughs> and one of them, uh, they were all 
we call it, it was cold calling basically. It mm -hmm. was the leads that were non-advertisers with us. One of those, my very first year selling advertising, I didn't know what I was doing. I just called people. Mm -hmm. Just like, it's like you have conversations about, we have conversations often about being a realtor. Mm -hmm. Just call, just talk to people, mm -hmm. right? Tell them what you do. I was cold calling one day and I called this guy that was a realtor. And he's like, yeah, I'm actually interested. <laughs> really? <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I was just calling people, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Come to find out, I didn't know what flipping was at the time. This is 2003, it's prior to the crash. And um, he said, I really want to buy an ad because I want to buy houses. I was like, huh, what? Buy houses, you're a realtor. You, 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 you mean for clients? You want to gain clients? Because every, everyone else in that section had, um, they were realtor ads. Right. He's like, no, I want an ad in there that says I buy houses. I was like, oh, you're like the, you know, the, the franchise guys. Mm -hmm. No. I do that on my own. Okay. I buy them up, I fix them, and then I resell them. Okay. I, li I like this. I don't, still don't know really what it's about, but okay. Yeah. Sold him an ad that first year, and every year for 10 years, we stayed in touch, um, continued to sell him larger ads because he kept buying more houses off of it, buying more and more and more. And eventually, um, you know, we just, I, I say this to business owners all the time now within the Collective Genius is that if you see talent, you may not be able to hire them right now because you can't afford them. You don't think you can't afford them. Build relationships with everyone, especially talent. Yeah. Ten years later, he posted an ad, and I said, um, I, think, I think it's time for me to come over. Mm -hmm. Let's talk. Yeah. And that's and how you got into real estate. That's exactly how I got into real estate. I went to work for someone else. Uh, running day-to-day -day operations. I had all of the background of building teams, building culture. Uh, sales background, mm -hmm. advertising background. What are, what are we doing in real estate? We're advertising and, and sales organizations. We just happen to drive a car that's real estate, right? Right. Um, and so my skill sets fit what most visionaries don't love to do. Mm -hmm. And I will say that I, now I lean more visionary than um, when it comes to you know integrating things. But back then I was still integrating. I was loving it. I was hiring um, setting up processes, all those type of things. But that's how it was a 10 year relationship that I'd known someone for 10 years reached out. And at that time they were finally ready to bring me on. And, and what today we would call a COO. Right. So <clears throat> what was your first responsibilities in a real estate company? Everything. <laughs> um, first one uh, that having the experience that I had, I said, first thing is I need to assess talent. Mm -hmm. Let me look at what we have here first before I just, I'm never a person that was going to come in and do the old Deion Sanders. Although I think that's the right move for Colorado. Um, I wasn't going to do that. Yeah. I need to know, do we have talent on the team today? Uh, the answer was no, <laughs> with the exception of uh, a couple. So you're um, like the, the Bobs on Office Space. You're yes. coming in there with the efficiency <laughs> yes. expert. Yes, unfortunately, I didn't have the guy with all the answers that I was like, yes, that's exactly what we should do. Yeah. Um, we, we downsized. We, we, we evaluated. We gave 90 days, and then we made decisions based upon, honestly, we didn't have to really let go of anybody because they saw the writing on the wall because we were going to set up mm. new standards um, and set new goals and those type of things. So I would say out of the gates, the thing that I leaned towards was team building because that's what I knew. I didn't know real estate. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a real estate background other than buying my own personal home. I didn't have that background, so I relied on my advertising knowledge, my sales knowledge, and how to build a team and find talent. And yeah. I think that the, the best thing I ever did for the organization 
was help build a, uh, a team that was cohesive. We, we, we gave back to the community. Um, and it was a true team with really good people in each individual spot. And how I know that are a lot of those people that we developed as talent are now either business owners mm -hmm. or executives for other people. Yeah, that's pretty cool. How long were you there? Five years, just short five. of five years. Short of five years. Mm -hmm. um, when you left, um, I think you were involved in a lot of project management as well. I did it all. And, and that's being a true leader. I'm a firm believer that when I was um, as a, uh, a sales manager, I rode in the car every day with mm -hmm. a new rep. Now, I say every day. Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursday were my ride days. I needed to understand what they were going through so I could help coach them through it and also take a couple sales over because they were losing the sale. Um, but I did the same thing when I, when I joined that organization. I didn't know property management. I didn't know acquisitions. In fact, the first contract I put, you know, put the first house I put under contract, I was sweating and shaking because I thought I paid too much. Turned out it worked out okay. But, you know, I needed to know that fear, mm -hmm. that fear that, that first contract that you signed as someone that puts a house under contract. I needed to know that. I needed to feel that. Mm -hmm. So there, I, I showed rental properties, you know, because we had a portfolio as well. Um, so there wasn't a position that I didn't do. What I ended up doing longer term was raising a bunch of capital, having networking, being the face of the company, um, and helping out our staff you know at any given time we'd have 25 flips going on and one project manager wasn't able to handle that so i would oversee uh, a few of my own projects and help oversee all the projects walking projects at, advising those type of things yeah. i do like that part of it i'm just not good at it <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't have that skill set beforehand no no but i do think that in this business if you find people that have talent and they're smart um, I'm not that smart, mm -hmm. but I'm smart enough that if you show me how to do something, I'm going to figure it out. Coachable. Very, very, because yeah. I want to know. I'm the person that says, no, I'm not I, I'm not going to sit in an ivory tower. Show mm -hmm. me how to do it because I can't develop or hire the right people for positions unless I know every uh, intricate detail and how we could potentially make it better. That said, I have been a part of, I think, in a – just short of 10 year time frame, about 400 overall flips. Mm -hmm. um, I think we've, in the last five years, I think we, I know we've done over 100 in the last five years, probably 140, 150 mm -hmm. um, that we've done on our own um, since um, going out on our own. Gotcha. Uh, so when did you go out on your own? This is an interesting transition. So I had accepted a job to go back in corporate. I had just, we just had our second child. Um, and I had an offer that was too good to refuse. And I, I, I was, I needed, my plan was to go back into corporate and build wealth through rentals, mm -hmm. like a lot of people do, right? You have a high paying yeah. W-2 job, um, sales job. And it was, man, it was almost too good to be true. I had a buddy that was doing it, was making, you know, a quarter of a million dollars doing it. And I was like, I know him and I know I can do at least as much as him, <laughs> probably more. Um, so I took that opportunity, um, and then something just kind of fell into my lap that I felt like was the best opportunity for me after I had accepted that other position. Um, when we were, uh, when I was with the other company, we joined the Collective Genius mm -hmm. as members. And when I left um, during that time, I, I stayed in touch with Jason because I just I loved. 
the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a connection person. Um, I, I learn from others, and I need that. Um, I need their energy as much as I want to give energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jason was somebody that helped me through a lot of things while I was a member. And so we kept in touch as friends, and he was looking to grow and said, hey, if you're no longer there, you're um, with this other organization, let me talk to you about something over here at the Collective Genius. And so I had to do one of the hardest walk of shames I've ever had to do because a friend had, uh, recommended me for a job. Mm. I accepted the job. I was supposed to start, I think, on that Monday. And I walked into the boss's office face-to-face and said, I hate to do this to you, um, but I've got an opportunity I can't refuse in real estate and community. I think will be perfect for, for me. I know I can do what you do. Um, I just, I can't accept. And I'm sorry. That's a, that's a hard thing to do, but I wanted to do yeah. it face-to-face. What was that job? It was something that you would you personally know me, so you would think, I, I can't see Leon ever doing that. Uh, but it was IT sales, okay, but not mom and pop IT sales. This was Costco. for or not Costco, um, big organization, yeah. hospitals, governments. Oracle. Yes, big projects. You go in because, especially in small town Midwest small towns, yeah. a lot of them are exposed from a security side, and there are towns that are being hacked and they're shutting down things, and so security through their technology is super important. And so there is a massive switch over to these small communities that don't have a lot of money, hospitals, what have you. They're, they're so exposed and they're starting to find that out. I don't know if you've seen some of these stories, but yeah, small, sm- small towns being shut down. There was a story on 60 Minutes about that where they held them ransom. Like, we want $3 million. The town's like, well, we don't have $3 million. Well, what do you have? <laughs> so that's what it was going to be. I think I was seeing something like the one of the hotels in Vegas right now, right? It's been on shutdown Saw for like that. three days or something. It was it was a group. It was MGM group. Yeah, because uh, I think Caesars was one of them. Exactly. Now think that think about this. It doesn't. It's not just big organizations. It's small town governments that are being hacked. That they're taking a two hundred fifty thousand here because those governments have no choice. And so that type of IT software that's being sold, we're talking six figures and seven figures mm-hmm. for install, hence the reason why the, the pay is what it is. But it would have been in small town USA. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing wrong with that. But um, being in a, having sold Yellow Pages for 11 years and eight of those years being in small towns in motels and hotels, it, it was a little um, less appetizing for me right. <laughs> at that time in my career. So then was it CG and then Kansas Property Solutions? What was the... So I had been buying rentals on the side. Anything that, you know, didn't make sense. In fact, I over... Like most people, I overpaid for my first five. But Mm -hmm. I had a good friend that wanted to help, wanted to be a part of it. And so we kind of went in and a broadcast friend that I went to broadcast school with um, that was successful in a shorter time frame, Mm -hmm. was a a main anchor in Chicago. He and I kind of teamed up to buy some rentals. Wow. So I had, when I left, eight, okay. call it eight rentals at the time. Um, and um, I honored my non-compete for a year. Um, and I know you don't believe in those, but I actually had one and, and honored it. Um, the only property. No, I believe in them now. It's oh, that's right. You do I'm believe a, in I'm them. I'm a recent convert. Well, yeah, about time. Uh, <laughs> um, 
I did, I think I bought a couple properties that agents brought me because I was licensed at the time as mm. well. I was kind of, my wife was running a small team with Keller Williams, uh, still has her license. And in fact, is about to get licensed in Florida. Um, so I bought a few properties direct from agents that we turned into rentals. Um, but it had always kind of been there um, as a rental only mm. division. Um, and then a year after, and I needed the year with CG to get up to speed with, you know, all the things that were on my plate there. Um, so after a year, Kansas uh, Property Solutions evolved from just a rental to uh, KPS. And we're not, you know, we're not like CG members. Um, we would be on, from a business standpoint, we'd be like a select level member, yeah. right? We focus really on a one or two channels. We go really deep on those one or two channels and don't, we've, we've done a lot of other stuff that we've made, what, wasted money with. Um, <laughs> but we're a small operation. I don't want it to really scale beyond that. It's a wealth builder long-term, right. you know. Which is really the purpose. Exactly. What, uh, when did you join CG? Um, 2018. So in, 2018. In this, what is it? 2023. Yeah. Uh, 18. So this five years in August. Yeah. Um, so when we met, you were still. I mean, you were that's about been a year there. in, I think. Yeah. You've been with us for four. Uh, I I joined. I think probably because of COVID. But it was before COVID. It was like COVID was like starting to become a big deal. Was it? I it thought was like, your first meeting was like December of, of 19. 20. So it was March of 2020? I joined in like in April of 2020. You did? Yeah. Wow, I thought for some reason you joined before then. But yes, April of 2020, we, it changed our entire model yeah. um, because we needed to go membership. If you joined April of 2020 in the past, or April in the past, you would have to wait until... Um, the next meeting to really truly take advantage of it, but yeah, yeah that that changed our business model for the better, Definitely. quite frankly. Um, okay, so what was your first role then at Collective Genius? First role, um, it was kind of rolled up into kind of what um, we have now as a member concierge, which was going to evolve into membership. It, I mean, my title was membership director. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't taking um, consults at that point. It took a, I think Jason finally handed over after 30 days. It was going to be 90, but we made it a 30 day. Mm -hmm. um, and also I headed up all the, I created the, the ambassador program was there, but it wasn't evolved, not a lot of process to it. Um, and mainly just getting to know members as much as I can and make connections. It was really a connect, out of the gates, it was connection specialist. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Given your skill set. It, absolutely. It, and, and hence the reason I, I, I could not turn the opportunity mm. down. It's in real estate. It's actually what I love. I love waking up to do when I get a text message and I can think I can connect that person with mm -hmm. Steve Train because they're what ails them right now. Dr. Steve over here can cure them of right. it. Right. Right. And that. I'm, I get emotional when I even think about it. The changes that that can, the trajectory of how that can change someone's business mm -hmm. just by connecting them, it, it was exactly what I wanted to do. Gotcha. And it, the sad part is I still do it. I just do less of it mm -hmm. because we have more resources within the organization now. Yeah. But my OGs are still, my OGCGs mm -hmm. are still, you know, reaching out to I'm me. I'm texting you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. My friends that have been with me about the same amount of time, mm -hmm. um, you know, that or that I knew as a member prior to, 
still reach out to me for those connections. So you were there because I think it's kind of grown explosively, right? Like in the last few years. The last two and a half, call it almost three now, is the growth came from the tiered system. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have tiers. You know, when I joined in 15, we had one group. Mm-hmm. Um, as a member, when I joined, we had one group. It was 80 some odd members, four meetings a year, um, no trainings in between. And so it was all you needed and more because you needed a full quarter mm-hmm. <laughs> to just implement one of those things that you learned because the business was so evolving at that time. I remember when I started, when I started in real estate, you didn't exist as a podcast. Nope. I wish you did because my learning curve would have been a lot less. Um, I wish you were born younger or, or earlier. Um, man, there was only like a couple podcasts, a couple books out there. The Keller Williams Flip book was out there. There wasn't a lot of information available like it is today. So... I remember those rooms going in there, and it was it was truly a fire hydrant that mm-hmm. you were drinking out of. Not that it's changed; it's just there's more information readily available. Yeah. Um, and so when I came on board, it was four meetings, um, and one group, and we only catered to the elite level real estate investor in the United States: single family, multifamily, landlords, flippers, wholesale. Wholesalers wasn't really a thing at that time. People right. were doing it, but it wasn't their main core business. It was not a it wasn't necessarily uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, a model that people were pursuing. Right, right. Because most people back then felt like you left a lot of meat on the bone if you wholesaled or signed something. Mm-hmm. Assignments were for for commercial mm-hmm. agents. Yeah. It's very very popular and mm-hmm. made popular in commercial yeah. assigned contracts of commercial things, but. It was something that people did because another investor said, "Hey, I saw you got that house. I really want it." how much would you sell it to me for? That's generally what you would see at that time. And so most of the, most of the gives were related to fix and flip, fixing and flipping in multiple markets, which I don't advise. Some, some people can do it, but very few. Um, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of marketing, what's consistently working. Podio was introduced in 2015 to the real estate world in a meeting in CG. Traction was, I remember I was in the meeting when traction was introduced to real estate investors and it started, you know, um, spreading like crazy. Yeah. Um, I hated Podio, um, but everyone successful that I knew in CG was using it, mm-hmm. right? So we, we got to figure it out because they're successful. That's the thing I love about the community. I know I'm jumping up here a little bit, but that's one of the biggest things I love about the community is generally you have a one or two year start on most of your competition, mm-hmm. um, and back then especially because uh, it was you know 80 people roughly that were mostly doing fix and flip, and um, it was to scale. Mm-hmm. All those people now, I look back, most of them are the monsters in the group now when it comes oh, yeah. to size. I mean, Sean Terry was there. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, the um, all the influencers that you know today, mm-hmm. for the most part, were in those groups. Yeah, I I look back. Um, I wish I was in that room. When Lead Sherpa was was rolling out, <laughs> which I was in the room then, and I remember. So I went to a, a Sean Terry event, right? And he was on the show uh, a few weeks ago. Went to Sean Terry event. And he's like, "Here's all the masterminds I'm in." Yes. And that first one, Collective Genius. What is that? And I looked at it. It's like you got to apply. Well, I'm not even close to a position where I can even apply. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I remember looking at it. It's like, oh man, that's gotta get in there one day. Yep. Yeah. That that right there, what you just said led us to the growth 
that we have today. Mm-hmm. When I first started, you know, the, the most frustrating thing was I would have an application that would come through. Somebody referred over to me. They didn't know the volume. They just knew that they were close. Mm-hmm. And that individual wouldn't be qualified quite yet, but I would have a conversation with them because they were referred by someone like, you yeah, I'm going to talk to the individual. Yeah. And they didn't qualify, and I would say, you probably need a six to 12-month window here before you're ready for the room. Mm-hmm. Because quite frankly, as you know, the room can be a detriment to you as much as it can be positive, right? There's a lot of negative that can come out of a group if you're not ready for it. There's mm-hmm. levels to this, as Eric yeah. Brewer always says. There's right. levels. Um, and so I, I, I didn't have a spot for these people, and they were great. Mm-hmm. You could tell they had value. They could give value, but just maybe not to that room. Right. And that's when we... Almost, it'll be three years in January when we started our select level community. It actually took out two birds with one stone because we're starting to get some of the chatter that you hear in any community of, hey, you're letting some people in that are not quite ready for the room. Mm-hmm. Light bulb went off. We can level up that group as our highest level and we can have a core. The select group is the core group of the, it's, it's a great representation of investors across the United States. Yeah. People doing between 30 and 100 transactions generally have a small team mm-hmm. or a virtual team, and their their scale is through operations. They they've got advertising and marketing pretty mm-hmm. pretty well figured out. Now the next level is operations. Is what Sharper offers. It's that that process and system. All the things you do in corporate that no one wants to do. Right. Right. But without <laughs> it, it's hard to scale. Absolutely. It's a absolutely. great representation of investors across the U.S. right now. What are some of the coolest things you've seen come out of Collective Genius? Oh, my gosh. Um, man, I would need an hour. Um, it's, But to, to boil it down to one thought would be the relationships, man. Mm-hmm. Like the relationship I have with you, Eric, um, guys like Frank Cava that I would have I would have never had relationships with um, with it without this community. Um, Micah Self, who who makes me want to be a better father. You know, it's 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 the the Sean Wolfswinkle and Joni Wolfswinkle that mm-hmm. uh, the Cocos and the Ginas. I mean, they, they, we're all um, wired the same, right? Right. It, it's it, it you know, and it all comes from Jason. Right, you you are as good as your leader, and it trickles down that culture. And so, meeting Jason Medley is probably one of the best relationships um, that I've been blessed to uh, yeah. to be able to to find. And I knew that from the day I met him. I was like, I, you ever have? I, I remember back in junior high when I first moved to another school. We moved around a lot when I was a kid. And I was like, I'm going to make that guy my friend because he's cool. <laughs> and if I make that guy my friend, then I'll be cool. Yeah. And I felt like that with Jason. I was like, I. I know that that guy will connect me and he's genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I had to boil it down to anything, it would be relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And then it would be the connections that build relationships. Like I think of this story is, there's a million of them, but I always, I always come back to this one. Casey Ryan, Brian Higgins, two mm-hmm. investors, one out of Vegas, one out of Oklahoma City. They meet at a September meeting in 2020, 2020. Mm-hmm. So a couple meetings after you join, they meet. Casey's got a tax problem. He needs rentals. Meets Brian, says, I need to talk to you before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. He's got a big tax bill. 2020 was a good year for a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. By December, he's like, I need to talk to you again, and we need to speed this up. Mm-hmm. He bought seven properties on like December 31st from him. <laughs> 
which has now turned into hundreds of properties. Mm -hmm. He goes back and forth between Oklahoma City because now they brought in a third partner through mm -hmm. CG, Scott Myers, to, to take down a self-storage uh, facility in Oklahoma City. I got a thousand of those. Yeah. But those are the type of stories that not only are they doing business together, they become friends, man, and yeah. they're lifelong friends. That's the best thing that it, all the business stuff is great, but it's those relationships that you'll have for the rest of your life. Definitely. I mean, I can even speak, right, just for myself. On top of being a sales trainer, which has been very, very beneficial for myself, right? We got, uh, after a couple meetings in, it's like, Eric, what is this innovation thing? Yes. Right? Well, let's not call it innovation because that's just a stupid name. Like, yeah. that's just a legal term that no one knows what the hell that means, yeah. right? Because in 2020, what the hell is innovation? Yeah. Everyone knows what innovation is today. 2020, what is this? I was like, hey, we're going to call this Brewer Method. Mm -hmm. Let's launch this thing. Um, Wait, stop right there real quick. Remember earlier I said you get a heads up, you get a leg up on everybody mm -hmm. at least a year or two? Yeah. His first presentation on Novations, 2018. Yeah. He presented on it in the room. And I'm kidding. You can look back at the room that he presented on Novations. Mm -hmm. And there were a few people like this, right? Mm -hmm. The rest were like, oh, walking out, using the restroom. Like mm -hmm. they, they were doing well enough that they felt like they didn't need to implement this other thing to get a few more deals. Yeah. Right? So the ones that listened got a head start on it, and they already knew how to do it. By the time that the market started to shrink and, in, uh, and um, inventory started to shrink down, well, you can still catch up, but those people had a head start on you that yeah. actually listened to it. Oh, and we left a lot of money on the table. I know that for sure. And not implementing it soon enough, right? So this brewer method, uh, I bought an apartment complex with Stephanie Betters, right? We were one of her uh, private lenders, syndicators. Uh, bought a bank with Jack Bosch. I do know that, yes. <laughs> I didn't. I don't think I knew the Stephanie one. Yeah, so I bought a bank with Jack Bosch. I do remember that? Uh, did sales leadership training with Ren. That's right. Um, and then, uh, and now you and I we do part of the disruption together. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of my favorite. It's what the happiness that I have from doing that show on mm -hmm. Thursdays has gotten uh, to a point where Jason has finally said, "Well, it's been a while now, but it said we gotta get." our show because I can see the happiness that doing a podcast <laughs> brings you and that you enjoy it. Cause yeah. he'll hear me cause you know, I'm loud in general. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty loud, especially if you work next to me, <laughs> sorry, yeah. I'm just loud cause I'm, you know, I'm energetic and mm. I, I'm passionate. Um, it, I think it comes from uh, coaching. Like mm. I love coach basketball. It's one of my biggest passions and uh, you can't be soft with kids, man. They need to hear your voice. Um, but when I'm doing that show, we have a ton of fun. Yeah. We're all friends, but we're all doing the show to give back, to help and have fun doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I can't wait. We're, we're launching our, I, I, I'm putting the cat out of the bag here a little bit, but I think we're going to launch in January yeah. the CG podcast. That's awesome. Yeah. Look, um, looking forward to it. Just want to make sure we have a cool studio <laughs> like this. Yeah. So make sure you get one of these. Yeah, so Jason, if you're listening, we need that board. <laughs> um, so 2018, you go work for CG. Yep. You got your one year, not compete. You're surrounded by operators who are buying houses. Right. So when does Kansas Property Solutions start like yeah. going gangbusters or, or starts going again? It's the who, not how. Right. So I wanted to do that. But I needed to who. Mm -hmm. And one of my, he's like my little brother, hired him in 2003 to work with me in sales. He followed me um, as I was a regional sales manager in Hawaii. He followed me to Hawaii. 
Uh, he followed me back into um, back to Kansas. We're the only people that have ever moved back Who to Kansas. Who would follow you from Hawaii to Kansas? No military orders either. We're coming <laughs> to, to Kansas from Hawaii. I like you a lot. I don't know how to follow you from Hawaii to Kansas. <laughs> hey, I've never said I was the smartest person. Um, but he he followed me back there. We got him a job in acquisition. His family all from Kansas as well. Gotcha. Um, eventually, that didn't work out um, long term. He was there for, I think, four or five years, something like that. And when he became available... I was like, let's do this. Mm-hmm. It's the who, not how. I needed someone to run acquisitions because I couldn't do what I was doing. I was doing three to five consults a day for CG. We were in growth mode. And so where, when am I going to squeeze in a seller after hours? Of course I could, but I had two kids at home, my wife. I got to get, get some time for them, mm-hmm. right, as you know. Yeah. Um, and so when he became available, I was like, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm coming over, and we're going to start this company. Perfect. Yeah, I'm surrounded by operators that blow me away, mm-hmm. um, but I'm thankful that I have some wisdom behind me at this stage of my career that I can not necessarily put blinders on, but I can stay focused on closer mm-hmm. rather than more. Right. That's something that I've learned recently with your help and Paul Sparks' help, mm-hmm. um, something I've always known. I just defined it now. Yeah. Um, so we know our niche, we know our model. Um, we have two full-time employees. Do I want to do more? Of course. Um, but only if it makes sense for our model. So Mm -hmm. we, we've consistently purchased, um, about 30 houses a year for the last five years during COVID because interest rates being so low and appraisals being so high, uh, we bird almost 80, 90% of our properties into our portfolio. And so therefore our portfolio grew a lot in the last three years, um, pushing, I think we're right at 70 doors now. Yeah. Um, ended up bringing property management in-house. So if I hired a second employee. Property management in-house. In-house. Okay. In-house. You look at the numbers um, I know Kava, Kava has said to do it. But. Kava told me to do it at 30. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not ready for that yet. We had someone t- in staff that could handle it, but... Um, I, my magic number was 50, and I, based upon the calculations I did that we were paying the mm-hmm. property management company. And we had a really good, which I know a lot of people that are listening to this, <laughs> property management, good, that mm-hmm. they don't exist. Yeah. Um, but we did actually have a really good one. And, but I could see the right on the wall. Once we got past 50, then I, I was no longer in a situation where I could uh, ignore what Kava was telling me, mm-hmm. right? It was like, I'm going to pay them more than I should be paying a property manager. Mm-hmm. Why would I do that? Um, only for less headaches. But we had a we have a all of our rentals are all burrs. So every single one of them are flips. So we when necessary, we change out all the electrical, plumbing. So we're doing what we need. We spend a little bit extra up front so we have less calls on the back. I remember what Kava called it, right? Brent Kava for those of you guys who are wondering. It was uh it was making it like it was like break proof there was what is it? yes I, I i remember the term eddie talked about it a lot on our construction call yeah. but yes it's um yeah the, and, and i have always ran that model mm-hmm. um they do it on their new construction i don't have any new construction although i i, I do want to do some i've got some lots that i would like to do some new construction yeah. that's my next kind of uh, it's it's not more it's just something else that i can add um to to the portfolio yeah. but so we brought it in the house in March. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anytime you switch, this is good advice for those out there. Uh, anytime you switch from one property manager to the else, what do you get? A lot of headache. I can't think what. <laughs> well, turnover. You get tenant calls. Yeah. Why? Well, that property manager never fixed this, 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 that, this, this, and this, this. Uh, and so they got they got a list of things that they want the new property manager. Mm-hmm. So the first three months were rough because yeah. every house had, well, they didn't do this or they didn't get out to do these things. Good news is we have all those relationships with contractors to go out and fix those things. Right. And so they they, you know, it, it it just made sense for us to do it because it's not like we're wholesaling. Mm-hmm. We're flipping. Right. So we have relationships that we've built now over 10 years, almost 10 years now that we've had. Yeah. So you got the who, his name was? Amos. Amos. And Amos uh, became a free agent when? Well, uh, four years ago. So it had been right after, it was right before um, my one year. So I think it's four years ago. All right, so he becomes a free agent, and then right off the bat, like what, what's the first thing you guys are doing? First thing we do is try to turn on some leads, mm-hmm. right? So um, I want to say at that time, we started sending direct mail. We, um, we use Lightmark for PPC. This is, again, when your W-2 is... In a community that has the best service providers that are referred into the community, you you don't. I can push a button pretty quickly and turn that on. So the first thing we did was turn on leads, because he wasn't. We didn't have any projects, you know, going. Mm-hmm. We needed to get leads. So um, our small real estate team started um, working. Our Keller Williams office at the time, I think we had 200 agents in that office. Probably a lot less now, um, but we had about 200 agents, and they started working that side. So we could get any low-hanging fruit that we possibly could. But the good thing is, is that the the leads started coming pretty quickly. I think we at the time Liberty AI was a provider within mm-hmm. the group, and they had a batch of leads that you could buy at ten. And so we just did everything we could do to push leads out of the gates. And then from there, we were consistently buying two or three. And I still had people calling me from old business cards that I'd given out and things like yeah. that that we would buy. So were you when you were buying these, these leads are coming in. I mean, you're talking about how you're buying and you're flipping. Is there any wholesaling or is it just straight? You're just hoteling. So you're hoteling. We'll hotel some, like we just bought a property last two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we threw it on the MLS. Uh, we have some uh, investors that um, are mom and pop uh, mm-hmm. flippers that we've sold some to. Um, and generally, it's just for cash flow. As you know, yeah. you know, cash conversion cycle for anybody in this business is important, especially when you're a smaller operator. So we have costs that we have to cover every month. So yes, do we? We, we right now we're probably a 50-50 split, where yeah. we are uh, 50-50 in regards to burring and 50 on either retail or hotel. Got it. Because right now, at my price point. In the Midwest, um, I am at affordable uh, 200 or less ARVs mm-hmm. in my market. Um, the highest I'll go is 250. I know, I know where we're at. I know what we, how we can move properties quick, quickly. Um, and so anything that we flip is ARV is 250 or uh, below. Gotcha. So it sounds like you already had the team in place. 
and you, you brought in a talent talented individual, you turn on the marketing, and that's it. Is, I mean, is it still the same team, or has this been? I didn't have a team in place. Oh, you didn't have a team. Amos was the team. Got it. Okay, so <laughs> now I say that I was, um, you know, at the time. Um, any rental properties I bought directly from a real estate agent um, mm-hmm. that would say, hey, I can't sell this, but you can, because I worked in a Keller's office. And so I got to know everybody networking in mm-hmm. over coffee. And I'd have agents say, hey, this is one that is probably good for you and your rentals. So I would, I would manage those until what Amos you came over. What were doing working at a KW office? K, uh, uh, CG. CG. I rented space. So at, you're working at Collective Genius uh-huh. and you're working out of a KW office. Correct. So everyone knows that Leon's the guy when it comes to off-market stuff? In, there was one other agent in that office, maybe one that did um, some off-market stuff, another that had an, a big investor in the area, mm-hmm. and so she let everybody know anything you get, that's cash buyer type of deal I've got. So mm-hmm. there was like, I was, I was the main one, but there was a couple others there. I mean, I think that's a big hack that we just haven't really talked about just rent an office inside a big brokerage. And I promise you, they want your money. <laughs> just let everyone know so you rent the space yep. and just let everyone know. <laughs> for two years while working for Collective Genius, I had my little office in the back mm-hmm. and people were so, I had CG signs all over my mm-hmm. office and people would walk by and go, cause they're, you know, there's a real, it's a retail office. It's right. a Keller Williams office. And all the training, and I was right by the training um, conference room, right? <laughs> I, I wanted to be near it, and it was the biggest, one of the bigger, cheaper yeah. offices. And so everybody would, and there were days I didn't like that, obviously, but every, they would walk by my office every day. That's a lot more effective than a billboard. Oh, gosh, yeah. Right? Like 200 agents. Yeah. That on any given week, Let's face it, the top producers are not always in there. Yeah. Uh, but the people that needed me the most. But the top producers don't need you. Exactly. It's the ones that's doing two or the 80%. eight deals a year. The 20% doesn't need me. It's the 80% that needed me. Yeah. The 80% were in there getting training. So you got like premium traffic right by the training room. Yep. It's and, like. <laughs> and lifelong friends. Yeah. That still to this day will call me and say, hey, Leon, I got this deal. Um, is there a way that we can kind of pocket this so I can, you know, not a problem if the numbers work. For sure, we'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that is probably for everyone's watching. Maybe a hack that has not really been discussed a lot. And I and I I will say that I'm, I wasn't smart enough at the at the time to figure to to go that deep with it. Looking back at it, totally a hack. But we also had Barnes Real Estate, our retail Keller Williams team. Mm-hmm. So we had the Barnes Group, uh, and so Barnes already had an office in there. So we just added another office for yeah. me. So, but the, but to that point. You do not have to have, you do not need to be a realtor to rent space right. from a Keller office. Uh, I mean, like I'm doing an event. We'll see how, how big this goes, but I'm doing an event and I'm teaching realtors how to find motivated sellers, how to pull that list, yes. skip trace it, get a hold of these people worth texting or cold calling them and how to pitch them. Right, it's that whole thing with Chris. Uh, uh, Chris Richter is like, you know, they're drinking your milkshake. <laughs> this can be a whole presentation about like, look, all of these wholesalers and iBuyers are drinking your milkshake. Right. Right. Hey, instead of being mad at them, yeah, learn how they're doing it. Yeah. And by the way, if you don't want to do it, right, but you got deals, I, I'll do them for you. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we had this conversation on PTD. Recently. We had it on PTD, right? Yeah. But what you're doing at that time was, hey, just rent an mm-hmm. office. 
at a brokerage and maybe just park your office by the training room or maybe by the front door where the, every realtor walks by, maybe right next to the or, commission desk. Or just, I mean, I, if I'm nothing, I'm a good networker. Yeah. Um, I'm Kansas nice. <laughs> so my wife lived in New York for five years, and she's mm. got this secret for not having conversations with people, <laughs> and it's don't look people in the eyes. <laughs> yeah. But I can't do that. I walk by somebody. I'm, that's just Midwest values mm. is you got to say hi. Right. Um, and even when I don't want to necessarily, you still do, right? Um, and so um, I, I would just have conversations that would spark up, just getting water in the conference room, or the realtors would say, hey, there's extra food in here, Leon, if you, if you want some, because they saw me grinding in there every day. They knew, I was like, man, that guy is always on calls. What is he doing? Mm -hmm. They didn't know if I was a coach. In fact, they thought I was a team leader, which is even better, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and so anytime I go back there, uh, which is every every year to, um, number one, to go back and see my business. Number two, go back to see family. I spend the entire two or three weeks that I'm there in that office. Yeah. They, they, we have a team office still there now to this mm -hmm. day for Kansas Property Solutions. My property manager's licensed, so she manages there. And then when I come in town, they give me an office to work out of. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, nice little hack there. And I didn't even put two and two together until we were just talking about it. I was like, yeah, that actually... Wasn't a bad deal. I was like, I was just networking and doing deals. Right. So you start off just Amos, hire two employees who's working the uh, the, the leads. Yeah, I just have two employees. I have um, Amos handles um, all, with the exception of we do a bunch of campaigns. Mm -hmm. Our property managers will, will take those as a lead manager. So we just have a property manager uh, and Amos who is a he's now a partner in the business. Mm -hmm. He is um, acquisitions and project management. Because it's not like we have, I mean, we'll have five to six projects going on at any given time. Yeah. He can handle that workload because we're only buying two or three a month. Yeah. Um, so pretty simple model. It's very, and, exactly the way I want it. And doing 30 deals a year. Roughly. Yeah. yeah. Some, some, uh, some years have been like 22, others have been 35. So, yeah, it's, it's been pretty consistent. And mm -hmm. here's the thing is that what I've learned for those that want to keep a small business, like people come to CG because they want to scale their business, mm -hmm. right? But I realize I, you don't have to scale um, to have the business that you makes you happy. Scaling sometimes <laughs> will not make you happy, mm -hmm. right? Um, what I've learned is that there's limiting returns when you start to get to certain levels, right? Mm -hmm. I tried this because one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't do more during that run between 19 and 22, we've talked about this on uh, pardon disruption, that window, I should have doubled down. Mm -hmm. And I waited too long to double down, um, but I did some more. I spent the most money I've ever spent on a marketing channel. And what I, it was good. It was a good lesson because what I learned is I didn't buy any more deals by increasing it, at, le at least doubling it in order to truly make impact, probably would have had to triple it or quadruple mm -hmm. it. And I didn't want to do that. Yeah. It would have still made money, but then now I potentially break the model. Mm -hmm. Now I've got to hire another person, a lead manager specifically. And now I've got to have somebody manage that person because these other two people had worked with me before. Yeah. They understand that I can't, I don't want to be, have my thumbs on them at all times. I respect them. They're good at what they do. Mm -hmm then I would have to bring somebody else in. And it, the lesson learned was 
laser focus on one or two channels, mm -hmm. laser focus on those and get really good at those. And the business will be profitable, less headaches. What are your primary one or two channels now? Primary. Um, I always want to buy good data. Mm -hmm. You can, there's so many ways um, to pivot when you have good data. And I'm in a closed information state, not quite as close as Utah, but close. Mm. Um, it's opened up a little bit. I remember when I first started in CG in 2015, I went up to Richter and I said, hey, we need that Richter list. It wasn't even called Audantic back then. It might've been called Audantic, but everybody called it Richter list. Yeah, well. And Richter had <laughs> just sense. made that transition mm. out to a full data company instead of, cause he hated doing real estate in Seattle. I can see him hating Can real you see estate. him talking to sellers? <laughs> no. We'll make sure he gets this. Make sure he gets his Metallica t-shirt. <laughs> He's funny as can be, but I can't, can't really see him talking to sellers. So I went up to him and I said, hey, man, I want that data. He was like, what, can't, what state? I said, Kansas. Ah, sorry, I can't get it. He goes, we can get it. It's just you won't be happy with it because we're working on it, but there's just too many blocks uh, for, to get the data that we need. Now, eventually, they, got, they were able to get it opened up. So I buy good data um, and I buy uh, leads. Mm -hmm. So PPC is pretty consistent for me. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of up, not a lot of down. Mm -hmm. But what I found is consistently I get at bats while buying, buying leads and then running very specific niche lists with direct mail. Those gotcha. two. That's that's really all that's really all I can do other than working on just always optimizing my placement digitally. Because yeah. I think for me, real estate on Google, Yahoo, Bing, all your search engines. I think that is one of the most underrated things um, in this industry that we don't focus enough. Because when you get there, you got to hold that spot. Mm -hmm. um, but it's super important for you to be served up by Google because Google is saying you're an authority. Mm -hmm. And if you're not served up there, someone else is, and they're going to get that lead before you do. Yeah. So two people, two lead channels, <laughs> Yes. 30 deals a year. Yeah. Fairly profitable, building wealth because you're adding to your portfolio. Yes. Not, a, not a bad now, situation. Now, here's, here's the key to that model, though, okay? I don't want anybody leaving this thinking that um, that model is one where you're going to be super wealthy, super rich overnight. This is a long-term. This is a grind. I've been buying houses, rentals. Now, it's a hockey stick. It's really the last three years have gone up. Mm -hmm. But those first three years I bought... I don't know, eight properties, what have you. Um, so this is a almost a 10-year play now. The business full-time is about four, even though it's it's really you know going on four or five in that range. I don't take money out of that business. Okay. So this is super important. That if you're building something like that, you mm -hmm. cannot be jealous of your employees making a good amount of money. Yeah. Uh, you can't, you, you just have to, if you are working a good W-2 job, if you are a doctor, attorney, a great salesperson, you, I've seen this model work for others as well that I've talked to for CG. Just don't go into it thinking that, man, I'll, I'll put an extra 10 grand a month in my pocket. Mm -hmm. It's not, I mean, it can be, you could do that, but you're robbing resources. Mm -hmm to build wealth. It's a long-term play for me. That is a set it and forget it, Ron Popeil for me, mm -hmm. okay? I'm not touching that mm -hmm. until that is my retirement, that is wealth building. 
I was lucky enough to fly into Arizona early today and have lunch with a good friend of ours named Doug Hopkins, who everybody knows in this marketplace and the other marketplace because he's on their television channel in mm. San Francisco and San Diego and other places. Um, I, the last two times I've talked to him, he's talked about the, the, the impact that having a free and clear portfolio has had on his life mm-hmm. and how it's helped him get to a place that he said he talked to you about in March is that he's yeah. his purpose. Yes. His purpose, right? Mm-hmm. With getting free and clear real estate and having the success, success that he's had, it's helped him get to that point where he's going, okay, now I got to redefine purpose. Mm-hmm. I want to be there. I told Doug today, I said, you're so lucky to be able to, number one, identify that. Yeah. Number two, re- reestablish that purpose mm-hmm. because you have had so much success. So I just want to make that point because if you're trying to take a ton of money out of that, you know, you know you're know, trying to do it to be you know, added a boat and other toys. I don't have any of those things. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've talked about this on Part of Disruption. I'm not car guy. Deep Cherokee. Yes, yes. <laughs> newer, always newer because I, I think you know, there's a couple things you can't skimp on, right? Yeah. I don't think you can skimp on transportation. I don't think you can stamp, uh, scamp on toilet paper. <laughs> um, there's one other that I'm missing there, but those are two important ones that you can't scamp on. We're going to a family mastermind in two weeks, mm-hmm. right? And then click funnels with CJ. And then my wife and kids are flying in. Okay. We're going to go to uh, Universal Studios. Oh, nice. Right. And I can tell you the other thing I won't scamp on is the VIP tickets. Gotcha. Experiences. That was my third. Experiences. Yeah, Do right. not skimp on experience. Like, waiting in line is not an option. It's just <laughs> not an option. I don't care about anything yeah. else. If I have to wait in lines, it's just going to be a problem. So, having have I have two sons, one six, one eleven. We got this window of Disney. We live an hour and a half away mm-hmm. from Disney World. And uh, so, we've taken full advantage of the season passes, the mm-hmm. whole nine, right? Um, don't get me wrong. I don't love... Um, waiting in lines either. Um, but I also, there's a there's some lessons I want to teach my sons mm-hmm. about patience. Um, maybe not three hours worth of patience, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. There's some lessons there I'm trying to teach that you, you, you can't always skip the line in mm-hmm. life in general. Uh, mm-hmm. Going a little deeper than I probably need to on that. But um, we also try to time it in, in which a time that we know that a lot of people aren't going to be at these parks, yeah. right? Um, so we get pretty lucky that way because we live in the state, right? Well, and you go there more often. I do. And that's another part of that. I'm trying to teach them lessons about standing in line, and they've been to Disney like 70 times since yeah. we moved to Florida. <laughs> I'm trying to balance that out. That said, I had the same conversation with Annie Yatch, um, who's a CG member, mm-hmm. um, and she was taking her kids to Disney World for the first time this week. And my message to her was the exact same as yours. Only because another CG member, again, a community comes together that lives in L.A., was flying for their first time to go to see Disney World. We met him there one day. Mm-hmm. Okay, We go and meet him there, and he has every pass you can imagine. Oh, yeah. This line, that line. And I, we hadn't done it consistently. We had a couple fast passes or whatever they're called these days. We've had a couple of them in the past, and it's, it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Yeah. But when you have every ride as a fast pass, it's a different experience. And so I said, I would have had a different answer for you until I did that with him uh, about a, two months ago. Do it. It's yeah. worth it. Well, and it's not just the fast pass, but the VIP experience. Where you get to meet characters yeah. and things like that. Yeah, you do all those other things, but you, you, you also get to cut in front of all the people with the fast passes. 
Oh, that's a different level. Yeah. I didn't even know. So we haven't done Universal yet. <laughs> yeah. My kids are six and eleven. Universal, we're trying to hold out. Universal's like teens. Like we're, well, we have a. It's because my kids are Harry Potter fans. Oh. So apparently, when you're eleven years old, right, as you become a wizard or or whatever the other thing is. Oh. Sorceress or something. I don't know. A witch. Whatever. <laughs> like, it's a big deal. You apparently so, pay a lot of attention. So my kids, when they turn eleven, it's like this is the thing. This is very cool. When they turn eleven, it's very cool. I will say, are, are, where are you staying at? Are you staying in Airbnb? No, we're going to be staying. At, I haven't even booked that one yet. Right? I just took care just, of it. I'm glad I asked. There are houses, mm-hmm. Airbnbs. We've rented one of these that have theme rooms. Mm. So at the time, my 11-year-old was probably nine and in way into nine or 10 and way into Harry Potter. One Airbnb had a whole Harry Potter bedroom. My six-year-old at the time was probably four, really in the Mickey, mm-hmm. Mickey Minnie rooms, Goofy the whole nine, had a Mickey room. Like there's Airbnbs with specific theme <laughs> rooms that your kids would love. So check it, check that out. I'll definitely out. check that out. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad you brought up a moment ago, Close Over More Whale Club, because I, I failed to mention that actually. That's one of the other things that came through. Like you personally- It's one of my proudest moments. Connected Paul Sparks yeah. and myself, Yeah. right? It's and another we, one. Yeah, so like that wouldn't have happened. If I'm not CG, it's it's profound, and I'm just one example. Yeah, yeah, it's just one profound example. That makes me emotional, man. Just hearing uh, or seeing that last week for the first time, going to Denver, mm-hmm. uh, being a part of uh, that group, Whale Club, and um, seeing because the thing is that it's 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 such a um, what's the word I'm looking a compliment to CG mm-hmm. um, because it's 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 more about framing this. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very good at practical tackle relationships, collaboration, uh, but there's a there's a niche here that the Well Club is fulfilling mm-hmm. within the structure and the framework of solving problems mm-hmm. specific to your goals. Loved it, and going there last week and seeing that half the room are CG members that are doing both, mm-hmm. and the other half are not. Um, to see the growth of that, um, that's. Um, when the alarm goes off, I think about things like that, and it makes me happy. Um, and, and more importantly, to to have, I'm very blessed, I feel like, to have that gift of knowing that I remember when Paul reached out to me and said that he had reached out to you. Mm-hmm. And then me, I don't know if I text you or called you, and I was just like, hey, man, this dude is super sharp. I see an opportunity here for you and him to collaborate. Don't know what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. But with your reach and his brain and what he's thinking of, especially at the time it was crypto, mm-hmm. right? So that's yeah. kind of where it started. And I knew at that time you were really into that. Th- those are the type of, to be able to identify and connect and see the fruit blossom, it's, yeah. it's just, it's one of my proudest moments. Yeah, and this is gonna be something that I think is gonna be huge. I agree completely, yeah. uh, totally. I told Paul the same thing. Yeah. I had to take a red eye that night, but other than that, it was all good. <laughs> I had a crying baby on the flight back. I was like, man, this oh. trip has been great. And then there's this crying baby. Well, at least um, you had a big fat steak in your stomach that I see you uh, saw you <laughs> scarf down before you got on a on a on a plane. Had to had to make sure that steak was taken care of. It I mean, looked really be, good. It would have been a shame that steak was unfinished. Right? <laughs> it would have been. Yeah. So the other thing too, I haven't talked about was um, basketball. Yeah. So you reach out to me, right? I have you to thank for this. Yeah. You reach out to me, and by the way, like I said when I was at Sean Terry's event, I was like I want to join this collective genius thing, right? And then. Kong Lee joined CG. He's like, hey, you should join. I was like, ah, I'm kind of busy right now. Right. Ryan Pineda reaches out. Steve, I'm in CG. You right. need to be here. I was like, ah, kind of busy. I don't want to travel right now. Like, I, 
I kind of like Jason Lewis, right? Like there's a budget to how much I can travel. Yeah. Right. Me too. And then Gary Harper, it's like, Hey Steve, like <laughs> talk to Leon. It's like, okay. I mean, if my coach, if my coach says, <laughs> yeah, talk to Leon, talk to him. And I do. Yeah. And when we first jump on the call, we don't even talk about business. No. We're talking about basketball. Yeah. That's right? kind of my style, right? <laughs> like business, we, especially if you know about CG, mm-hmm. which most people that are at least 30 and up do. Yeah. The 20 somethings, I've um, only been in the business for two to three years, may not, uh, just because, you know, they just they haven't gotten to that level yet, yeah. right? Um, but I, What's important for me on those consults is to get to know the person. And mm-hmm. I think you can tell a lot about someone with their activities. What do they yeah. love spending time doing? Um, and I, this is one thing I do have to thank you for. Like you mentioning that, hey, why don't we play basketball at CG has added an element of community beyond yeah. anything that we ever had. Uh, for those that don't know, we play basketball every single morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at our three-day events. Yeah. We play basketball usually 6 o'clock to 7.30 or 6.30 to 7.00, whatever we can get in. And if we're outside, the sun's up, right? Mm-hmm. We're playing. And it started out with like 18, no, 15 players, and then we grew like 18. And now consistently, we have over 20, mm-hmm. two full courts running at any given time. And the connections, the collaboration, the fellowship that have happened from not only those basketball games, but also the breakfast meetings thereafter, the type of connections that happen. The conversations. But but more than that, you know, I think I I tell my 11-year-old son this all the time is that he loves the game of basketball, Mm -hmm. um, which I love that he loves because I do. Um, but I told him last night as we were getting our haircuts, because uh, I knew I was going to be on a show, I had to look tight, right? My, yeah. And by the way, our bar, my barber's a huge fan of the show, so shout out to oh, Chino. Awesome. He listens every week. Um, and we're, we're, we're on the way home, and I, we were just talking about basketball. No radio, no podcast mm-hmm. on, nothing. And I said, buddy, this game that you love, don't just love it for scoring or passing, winning, Love it because of the relationships that it brings you in your mm-hmm. life. High school, pickup. There's an 18-year-old or 16-year-old kid that plays at a high school right down the street from us. Saw mm-hmm. Kai at practice the other night when we are coming out. He said, Kai, what's up, buddy? Because we play pickup basketball with him. And yeah. I was like, those are relationships that you, you would never have without the game. And so incorporating that into CG um, has, has changed the dynamic of – especially when new people come out, <laughs> like they're like, they get to, we get to immediately see who they are. You plug them in right away. Immediately. And you know, okay, they try hard, not good at basketball, but they hard, they work hard. So I know what type of investor they are. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't know the game, it's okay. We just want to see that they at least work hard. Mm-hmm. And if they don't work hard, we, it may not be a real a good fit for CG because mm-hmm. I don't know if they really care about growth and, and scale. Cause you can tell a lot about someone that, the way they play basketball. But that led to pickleball. Now that's leading, led to people running in the mornings. So not everybody plays basketball. Jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu. People walking. It's just, it's just elevated that. And, and also, I have to thank you this person. I don't know if I've told you this. I think on our call, I told you at 40, I just said, I'm done with pickup basketball. You're retired. I, I officially, not that anybody cared. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to retire from pickup <laughs> basketball. Who, what? Who cares? Right. Um, I was playing in the men's league. Got hit from behind on a fast break. Young kid was 
mad that I stole the ball from him. I was still decent at that point. Mm -hmm. And I go up for a layup, and he just smashes me. I break my ankle 12 hours before my second son is born. Oh. Probably didn't tell you that part. Um, and not only did I break my left ankle, they say, yeah, you broke it on the joint, so you're going to have surgery immediately. I'm like, no, my wife is due in a couple days. I can't go into surgery right now. They go, the, every day you wait, the more the, your foot's going to be clubbed. And I say, well, I probably need to consider that, but it's not going to be tonight, I can tell you that. Yeah. And so I was done with basketball. I was like, I can't. I was on a knee roller after surgery for like eight weeks. I couldn't put pressure on him when I could put pressure on him. I couldn't be a good dad, and I just didn't like the yeah. injuries that came, especially right at, I had just turned 40. Mm -hmm. And um, I have you to thank for now, outside of minor soft tissue issues, <laughs> I played consistently two or three times, and I can't think of a better way to start my morning than playing pickup basketball with new friends in South Tampa. Yeah, it's great. And then uh, the very first one. So I remember, I, I can't remember if it was Eric or Ryan I was texting. I was like, I know I started this thing, but I'm a little worried because we have a bunch of, you know, yes, alpha males. Yes. That are past their physical prime. Right. That need to flex. Yeah, and we had some wrestlers and some hockey players <laughs> out there uh, out of the gates for sure. Yeah. Um, that were setting some pretty physical screens. Um, and I think at, at some point, I was upset enough and you were upset enough because we didn't want to come out there and get hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, that it's, it's, I think it's, I think it's evened out well, a little I had some coaching conversations. Like, you know we're here for fun, right? Yeah. There's a couple <laughs> people that need it. But, you know, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. I can tell you this, that our premier level group, our highest level group, um, I prefer to play mm -hmm. because I know that the select level group, average age in the late 20s, early 30s, is <laughs> going faster. to be a different game. A different speed. And I know my hamstrings and calf may not make it through that game. But I will say, I play in both. Um, and I learn something new um, about our community, about a member at each one of those. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have you to thank for that. Because without you saying we need to do this, I don't, I don't know if we did. And the first time we played, it was right here mm -hmm. in Scottsdale that right. we played – Slipping around on a, on a court that was still wet would do, mm -hmm. I think, in March of 2021. Yeah. It's been and now, we're going on three years of playing. And you set the tone on the very first one. Yeah, I haven't played as well since. Yeah, but you set the tone. <laughs> you hit a whole bunch of threes. And I was like, guys, whatever. I'm guarding Leon. Like yeah, <laughs> and I haven't played well since. That was, I was like, I should have walked off on that, that performance. But, yeah. you know, you know what, what I love about it is that I've always been attracted um, to athletes um, in business because mm -hmm. I feel like, and, and especially hiring him, like my partner in, in Kansas, a former college baseball player, mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing I can say to him from a managerial standpoint or management conversation that he hasn't heard from a coach. Right. Right. And, you know, now <laughs> some people I think are recruiting <laughs> on their team just for CG basketball. Santini. Yeah. <laughs> hiring uh, former college. Like, hey, I just happened to get a new hire. That can we bring this? Uh, our new COO. Sure, he happens to be six seven, two fifty. He yeah. uh, he's a Hall of Famer at his Division two school. I was like, what? Where did they get that guy from? But it's been yeah. fun. Uh, I think yeah. You talk about uh, former athletes and then um, uh, former military. Yes. Right. There's nothing you could say to a person that's former military yes. that's going to hurt their feelings. I, I agree with that. Although, 
for my experience of hiring, um, this goes back to my sales hiring days. Um, there's one caveat with military. And I think it probably applies to sports as well, but you have to make sure that the that you have proper process systems mm-hmm. in place, uh, standard operating procedures. It needs to be regimented. Has to be. Because if not, soldiers, not all, I'm not trying to blanket this, but yeah. not all, but the ones that I had struggled with is mm-hmm. if they didn't know marching orders, um, they would flail in the wind. Well, that's how they're I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What am I supposed to do? That your standard operating procedure stinks. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do right now? And so I'm saying that from a uh, perspective of a real estate investor that's looking at hiring um, specific profiles, make sure you have your stuff in order. They're going to lead. They're going to want to lead, so you have to be a better leader mm-hmm. for that individual. Um, and then something else, uh, I was talking to Eric Brewer uh, the, the other day. He was talking about his new favorite people to hire are people that have coaching experience. Mm-hmm. We've had that conversation. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. So um, coaches have passion. It's my, uh, I think we've talked about this on Pardon the Disruption. If I left real estate, what would I do? If I left CG, what would I do? I would go immediately back into a summer basketball program in a high school and say, you don't have to worry about paying me. I just want to, I want to be a coach here. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did in Kansas before we moved. I worked remotely for CG for two years. I coached a summer basketball program, 15 and 16-year-olds. And then uh, I, luckily enough, was able to springboard that into an assistant job at a high school for a varsity and junior varsity team. And I can tell you that every coach that I've coached with um, that is a full-time coach, probably most of them are teachers, just they're underpaid, Mm underappreciated, and they put in the most hours of anybody. And they're already natural leaders. Yeah. Like, why did I, I love, I'm, I'm attracted to coaching because it's my way, it's my ministry of giving back to youth. I had single mom, four boys. I didn't have a father figure in my life. My coaches were my father figures, the best father figures I had in my life. And those coaches, they weren't doing it for the money. Clearly, they weren't doing it for the money, driving up in a hoopty to practice, right? <laughs> but they came in, they gave us everything. No matter what their day was like, they gave us everything. And so those individuals, Eric sees this. You know, Eric's son just you know, got a full scholarship to play basketball. He's a really good athlete, sneaky yeah. good athlete, and I'm sure was really good. I've seen some of his high school tape when he actually had hair. Mm-hmm. Ask him to show you that if you hadn't seen it. <laughs> um, but he's, he's spot on because find people that are natural leaders, underappreciated, overworked, and underpaid. Mm-hmm. How could that not be someone that you would want on your team? And they're connected. Most coaches have coached. Like when I walk in, I had a father that I, uh, we lived close to each other when I first moved to Tampa. Hadn't seen him in a while. And we had just gotten done with basketball practice at uh, our YMCA. I'm still coaching, but I'm only coaching my 11, 12-year-olds, my son. We walk in, and every kid is like, hey, coach, hey, coach, and not just my team. And I've only coached there for a year. Mm -hmm. It's connected me to the community. Parents are saying, hey, how are you doing? Good to see you, coach. It connected me to a bunch of people 
and, and I've only been in that community. I've only been coaching in that community for a year. His yeah. guys that he's coaching or that he's hiring have been coaches in that York metro area for 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. So there's just so many positives that can come from it. Yeah. So I'm going to have to update my avatar. Um, we had Patrick Leggins off on the show uh, a few weeks ago, and he mentioned that during the interview, I knew he had a checkered past. Uh. I was like, hey, did you ever deal any drugs? He's like, Right? I was like, okay, cool. You can work here. Because <laughs> they have hustle. There's hustle. There's right? hustle. I, I grew up in a neighborhood that a lot of my friends um, sold uh, drugs. Um, you know, just, they, that was their, there's a lot of neighborhoods where drug dealers are the role models. Because mm-hmm. they drive nice cars and fancy jewelry and all those type of things. And so, but they're, they're not lazy. They're not lazy. They're not lazy. And yeah. if you have moved past that and you're on a straight and narrow, then you you know what hustling looks like. There's no doubt about that. Again, you can't say, you, you can't tell me you don't know how to hustle. <laughs> Show me what you did when you sold drugs. <laughs> I mean, and it was like an epiphany because uh, when I was uh, running my brokerage, yeah, I just looked around to see who the most successful realtors in my brokerage were. Yeah. And the, the ones that, you know, surprisingly mavericks yes <laughs> right and it's like these are the ones that dealt in the past and never got in trouble is that right? why you're attracted to misfits is because you've seen like you call them misfits yeah i all like when you say that all i can think about is the land of misfit toys that's exactly uh, what I, that's the analogy analogy i use <laughs> that's all i can think about right. um you're attracted to them why because they're, they're, you know that they're, they're, um, they're, they're trying to overcome something from the past? That has a soft spot for me, but that's not the reason why. Okay. Uh, the reason why is because uh, the people I attract, and also I am, even though I did everything by the book growing up, yeah. I did it in the gray line area. Okay. <laughs> right? So like, I was always like, what are the rules so that I can like, sure. manage around them? So, you would have driven me nuts, but okay. <laughs> yeah, right? So I attract these people. Uh, and these are people that generally won't fit in any, uh, it's like putting a square peg in a round hole, right? Mm-hmm. Just turns out when I say we attract misfits, apparently they're just all mavericks. No. So right. there, there's, there's some science behind it. They're yeah. not just misfits. They are driven by their, their motivate. They don't need your motivation. They're individually motivated. They're, they're motivated. They've got, they got inner drive Yep. and rules just aren't for them. Mm. Right. And it's like, Hey, I can work with this. I will put parameters in place. You got bumpers. Where you don't have to follow the rules, right? We will, like, I built my entire brokerage based off of, like, whatever you need. Yeah. So you can go out and sell. I'll take care of the rest. Yeah. I'll take care of the transaction coordinating. I'll take care of the lock boxes. I'll take care of the assignments. I'll take care of the paperwork. Yep. Whatever you got to do to go out there and sell, right? Because I know you can hustle and sell. I'll generate the leads. I'll generate the leads. You sell, I'll, I'll clean up your mess. It's a great lesson. It's a great lesson for anybody that's listening to this that's looking to hire, especially salespeople. Yeah. When I first took over the market in Hawaii, the state was that that particular piece of the business was not doing well, mm-hmm. mainly because they hadn't navigated the transition between print and digital yeah. at all. Right. Um, and it was a local company bought out by a big conglomerate, so that had something to do with it as well. And I just said to the team from the beginning is, 
there will be zero excuses for you to not have success here. Here's why. Here's what I commit to you. Number one, you'll be trained. Mm -hmm. I will train every single week. You will have a full training, very similar to like the training calls that you do. Mm -hmm. I did one of those for my team in person. Probably would have been done better back in the day if we had Zoom virtually. (laughs) But in person, Every meeting, we I, I was doing something on what I was hearing from the streets. I was out with them, right? The second part is, is that I said, I'm going to take every obstacle. I've listened to you now, and you all told me that the CRM stinks. Mm-hmm. Um, contracts are this or contracts are that. I'm going to streamline as many things as possible. So the last thing I, I can hear from you is that it can't be done or I can't do it. So what happens in that particular, you set your people up that are mavericks, especially to have success. And those that are not are going to weed themselves. You'll never have to fire anybody if you do that. Right. Never. Because you have told them these are all, I'm going to take all the excuses away yeah. from you. So just go perform. Yeah. Go the cream do, will rise. Go hustle. Right. And, and, you know, looking back now, it makes all sense in the world. But at the time, I'm just kind of like trying to put this thing together. Like, all sure. right. These guys like sales. They just don't like everything before it or after it. Yep. I'll take care of the rest. Like So, yeah, I mean, looking back, right? I was paying for leads, uh, and then I was paying for VAs to call the leads to set up appointments. Yep. And then I would pay VAs to listen to calls to transcribe the notes. Yep. Just so all you have to do. I would say a, to start, that's a great plan. Uh, I think you can evolve over mm-hmm. time, uh, well, your talent we level PI and, and PI leadership and those type and this and of that. things. Yeah. But you know, I think it's a great lesson for those that understand that the performers in any setting, there's always going to be cream, and it's generally a 20, 80, 80, 20 rule. The 20 is going to do 80% of the work, especially when you're starting making sure that you take all of the, the hurdles that are potentially coming up for those individuals. Um, now that said, you also have to be careful if that individual continues, um, to grow, they're going to have more expectations Mm -hmm. potentially upon that. But those people just normally just want to be left alone and paid well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, now that as we've learned, sometimes Mavericks aren't the best to continue to scale with, but definitely to grow with out of the gates. What the challenge eventually was like, man, this is really easy. I can go do this myself. It's like, you have no idea. That, that's my point. <laughs> Everything <laughs> that, I put in and that, make this That's work. the point, right, is that that individual has gotten, I did all this. Well, yes, you did. Thank you. But at the same time, do you remember this, 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 <laughs> all of these checklist things that I've done for you to be successful? You won't have those if you go and try to do this on It's funny. Own. We actually had some people leave recently, and they're like, Wow, like you guys made it really easy here. Yeah. We had no idea. Yeah. Um, so you have the opportunity because you guys are at 300 members now? 300 plus. 300 plus. So like for someone right now that's doing deals but not doing a high volume. Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you give someone like three things? Like here are three things you should focus on if you're doing deals right now but not consistently to get to a point where you can get into a select room. Yep. So – this is actually perfect because we had this conversation recently. Our communities have evolved. We've got Premier. That's for people doing 100-plus transactions a year or revenue equivalency. You flip 10 houses a year, do the same revenue as someone doing 100 or 200 deals, you belong in that room, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and generally, it's the people that have been with us for the longest. There's people that have been in that room for 10 to 13 years, 
right? They're, they're the OGs of this business mm-hmm. that continue to learn from people like you and younger, right? Um, then there's a select level group, which we started almost three years ago, sitting at 150 members as of yesterday. Uh, it's amazing to see that community grow. Yeah. That individual's doing between 30 and 100. What we realize is that's a big gap, right? 30 to 100 between that is there's a, there's a the, the person doing, you know, three or four deals consistent consistently needs something different than the person doing, you know, 80 to 100 transactions a year or revenue equivalency. So what we realize is that that individual needs more, we do a community with training. Mm-hmm. Whether it's sales, advertising, marketing, what have you, we're um, operations, we're doing all those training calls in between meetings, but that person needs more coach. They need more of a coaching community. Mm-hmm. So we just launched in May, um, we haven't even really told many people about this, but we just launched our, our new group called Elevate. Mm-hmm. Goal is to get them elevated into a full-time scalable business. Um, and that individual is the person you're talking about. We yeah. don't we don't deal with any newbies. You got to do at least be full time and do at least ten transactions a year. But they have a coaching community, so they meet at the same time as Select, but separate. So they are specifically getting what they need at that given point. And thankfully, Eric's CSO and COO are are the people that are training that people yeah. that have consistently doing four hundred plus transactions in little bitty York, right? They're really good at what they do, so they have a coaching community. And what we focus on that group is to double your deal flow. So if you're doing two right now, we're going to help you give you a blueprint to get to four. If you're at three, we're going to help you to get to six. And really, it's two things. At that phase, to get to a select level, you got to be good at really good at two things. Leads, converting leads. Mm-hmm. Marketing or advertising and sales. Those two things need to come in being good at those. Generally, someone that's really good at operations um, isn't going to scale without those two things. I can't, I'm not going to say it can't be done because we don't allow the word can't uh-huh. be used in my household. But uh, where we start to phase in operations at the select level, that's the transition. Uh-huh. Right Now we're getting into a scalable community with training. This is a coaching community. So it would just be easy two things, get really good at at acquiring leads mm-hmm. and converting those leads into deals. How can someone get really good at, at, at marketing? Well, good question. <laughs> There's a lot of coaching, and we've talked about this before. There's a lot of coaching available mm-hmm. and some really good mentors that are available uh, to those that are out there. Uh, I wouldn't overthink this, okay? If you have zero background in, in advertising and making the phone ring, look for the lowest hanging fruit. Um, if you don't want to cold call, you don't want to text, you don't want to do those things that are, are tough. You got to go through a lot of leads in order to go through that. Then there's, there's, there's companies out there like motivated leads that you can turn a county on and turn it off, mm-hmm. right? It's an easy way to make the phone ring. Um, there are, there are programs that pay like pay for lead, like motivated leads. Um, there's driving for dollars. It to me is so underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, there's apps um, that uh, that are so sophisticated to be able to help you uh, with that, like Deal Machine. Uh, I would focus on the lowest hanging fruit, that the things that cost you the least amount. Um, and and then other thing is get really good at. I talked about this on Partner Disruption uh, at reverse engineering. Mm-hmm. 
if you know there's a certain zip code that one particular landlord is buying in and he's buying a lot because you networked at the local RIA with that individual, you get really good at finding leads in that particular area by door knocking, by driving for dollars, what have you. That I don't think that I don't think on your own you will be great at it. Mm-hmm. But if you start with those things and then start to piecemeal and add based upon knowledge that comes from mentors or community, I think that, that you'll continue to scale and grow, especially if this is what you want to do. This is not rocket science. <laughs> it's not. The only difference, I tell people all the time, the only difference between our lowest level room and our middle tier and premier is just execution and time. That's it. Doug Hopkins has been doing this in Phoenix for 30 years, building relationships. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be him overnight. I'm not talking to you directly, Steve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you're just not. And mm-hmm. even five years, you're not going to be at that level. No. Continue to, edu- to, to execute, and you'll look up. I went from having 20, 30 doors to all of a sudden, like, whoa, I'm, getting, I'm closing in on 100 here really, really quickly. My goals are changing. Right, but it's just time. It's just gray hairs. <laughs> <laughs> so this is gonna be a completely selfish plug. We say first one is marketing. How can someone get good at sales? Well, this is simple, right? Uh, this is not something that, um, to me, you don't have to overthink this. You have to. The only way to get better at sales is at bat and repetition and having a coach. Mm-hmm. At bats, repetition, and having someone coach you through those objections because the we're all hearing the same objections, yeah. right? So salespeople, I've learned this, salespeople through experience, it takes a minimum of seven times for something to absorb and stick and they need to hear it, right? So selfish plug for you and sales training, having someone like you, you do a weekly mastermind for acquisitions, mm-hmm. right? Where are people going to... You don't. Most people don't have a sales division where they have a sales manager doing that. You're offering that for them. Yeah. Now, me personally, I was the sales coach and trainer for my particular office, and so I would just give them every objection, uh, everything I could to give them uh, to overcome those objections. Uh, but it's at bats. So go see sellers, mm-hmm. repeat it, and repeat it again. And then bring back to communities like yours, these are objections I'm hearing. How would you solve that? And if, yeah. you, if you're not at that point where they feel like they can bring someone like you on, find a mentor. Find someone that is at your local meetups, what have you, um, and ask them, hey, how do you deal with this? They may not give it to you, mm-hmm. right? Find somebody else that will. Keep asking. Keep asking. Just like in sales. I will say this also. I know we give realtors a lot of... Um, a lot of guff on um, pardon and disruption. Um, but I will say organizations like Keller and there's others out there, the sales training that they're doing is very similar to the sales training and they offer it all the time for perspective. Um, the recruiting uh, tool. It's a recruiting tool. So go take advantage of it. Eat their stale chips and have a couple of drinks at their deal and just become this is what i love about you is that you're you are self-made in this mm-hmm. you weren't great at it so what did you do you are on a mission to get better at it mm-hmm. and that's where i think the best advice to give anybody is you you have to commit 
absolutely commit to becoming great at it. If not, if you're just okay with being mediocre, then you just will do less deals. You'll do some deals, but just do less. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've gone and talked about, you know, KPS. We've talked about CG. Yep. What is your why? Mm. Why uh, transitions, um, chapters, mm -hmm. right? I'm not a, a material um, individual. Um, and I, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, my family's my why. Um, they're a part of a bigger thing called, you know, this life experience, right? Um, my why is to have the best, hopefully 80 years on this planet um, that I can have, especially between 46 today and 80, 82, whatever I'm lucky to get to, um, and um, leave legacy. I talked about this uh, at the Well Club last uh -huh. week, is um, the why has changed because of presentations like Glenn Schwarm, yeah. uh, man, uh, Scott Myers uh, recently did one as well, that it's hard to hold back tears because they talked about... Um, the, the impact that their fathers and Scott for his father and his father-in-law, Glenn, his father, and he talked about it, it just really moved me. And I was like, man, that's, that should be my why. And I know this may sound kooky, uh, kooky to some, but for me, it resonated with me. Because I think about, um, I'm working currently on um, getting a scholarship uh, for my high, one of my high school basketball coaches and uh, bitty ball kind of basketball coaches. He's had such a big impact on the community that I want to I want to help fund a scholarship uh, in our community that I grew up in in, in Northeast Kansas. I want to put a scholarship in his name to impact beyond leave legacy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think about him, and I think about those two presentations, and I think about having a line at my funeral that wraps around the building, or my life celebration is a better way to put it. Um, and that's not me be, being self-absorbed. It's me saying, I want to impact that many people in their, mm -hmm. and make a difference in their life that they said it's important for me to make time to come and celebrate his life. Well, I think you've already done that. I guess the only thing I would say as a friend is just don't screw it up. Yeah. No, you, <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> One bad decision. <laughs> One bad decision will don't, take 40-plus years don't be, don't of be good stuff. Kiyosaki saying these crazy things. Yeah, no doubt, man. <laughs> I, I can tell you this. I probably, because of launching a podcast here in the future, will be more active on social. Um, but I think that's, Eric and I talk about this quite often. If we had social media back in the early 90s, late 80s, <laughs> when we were in school, holy cannoli, man, I would have had, I definitely couldn't have ran for office. <laughs> um, not that I want to anytime soon. Um, but it's, it's, it's made me hesitant um, because, you, there are certain posts you see of people and you go, man, I thought you were different mm -hmm. than that post. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I just want to add to it, Steve. Like, I, I love and I have always uh, admired your mission. Mm -hmm. Like, from the day, I, I, haven't told, I haven't said this to you in a long time, but I, when I first moved to Tampa, when I was making that transition, I was really on this big, because all the gyms were closed, it was mm -hmm. COVID, I was on this big running kick. I yeah. was Running half, I was running half marathons, and I remember running um, 10 miles a day on a Saturday and 
10 miles was exactly this podcast, mm-hmm. the length of this podcast. And I'm uh, so appreciative of it. And I remember it just was ingrained on me. You said every show, you know, I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. And I think that if I make those type of impacts, not only will I help make millionaires, um, I will also make um, better human beings. Yeah. And awesome. so that's, in a, in a nutshell, my why. Love that. What's your biggest struggle today? Oh, man. Um, I am like a lot of... Doug and I talked about this at lunch today. I'm like a lot of people that are driven. When I get to a certain point, and it's usually a three to five year period, um, it's not that I hit the mountaintop, mm-hmm. but I go, all right, what's next? Mm-hmm. It's not that I've accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish. It's just that that particular thing, I need to. I need my next challenge. Mm-hmm. Not that I want to stop doing those things. I just need another thing. What's the next thing? I think all driven people are that way. And so right now is to figure out where you know my next role is within this community that will best serve the community and also my purpose and what I'm trying to accomplish in that why, but also you wake up every day and you do the same thing for five years. Um, you want some nuance to it. You want some different um, another experience. Cha- another challenge you want to conquer. Yeah, and I think that's that's coming up. We're, we're, I think we had a really good conversation about that this week. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to connect. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to facilitate and be at meetings mm-hmm. and all those type of things. It just evolve. What's mm-hmm. next? We've got a lot of staff at CG um, that um, has taken on my identity, mm-hmm. quite frankly, and that's a struggle, mm-hmm. right? I've got Matt Perry that's handling all the, the weekly calls, doing the onboarding calls, taking over the ambassador program, mm-hmm. And not that I'm not busy, because I am, um, but a lot of the things that I was doing, which was making me really, really, really busy, have now been taken on my plate. And I was like, okay. Eric talked about this when he had a COO and CSO, and he brought all these people. And Eric Brewer sitting there like, I'm su- it's exactly where I want to be, but I don't know what is next for me, and i got to figure that out. And that's kind of my biggest struggle right now is really pinpointing what's next within the community, mm-hmm. and also adding a little bit of spice uh, to my investment business as well. Yeah. We've talked about that, developing on some just some new challenges because, you know, I've been with CG now for five years. I've been in the uh, part of the community for six. Um, and, you know, it's, it's time for me to, to evolve. Uh, yeah. I can say that this that group has changed my life. Uh, my relationship with Jason uh, Medley is uh, probably the one of the most important relationships outside of my family, my wife, mm-hmm. my kids. Um, and um, everything that man has said he's going to do, he has done. Um, and I can't tell you that I've ever worked for somebody like that before. So much so that, you know, uh, I, I never expected this. But I, I think this is important for those that are out there listening when they think about having rock star talent on their team. doesn't mean you have to give them shares. You don't have to make them owners, but you got to take care of them. And I'm so blessed that, you know, Jason has taken care of me and my family beyond what I ever imagined. uh, And I'm uh, excited about what the future holds. Yeah. And I know uh, Eric's talked about it. Uh, I remember talking, uh, Ren had the same thing too. Yes. Uh, I think when, was it maybe when Lane took his 
position. Now he's just CEO and you just, yes, just maintain. Yep. Right. Like your identity. Yep. Who you were the guy that built this. Be careful. Be careful what you wish for in scale. Yeah. Right. Like if you love acquisitions, do acquisitions. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you can't have a COO who runs operations. Yeah. If you love projects and designing, stay in that. No matter how big you get, there's nothing wrong with being in those creative roles or communication and relationship roles. Nothing wrong with that. You don't have to. It's your business. Design it for the life that you want to live. And I will say this. I've been most impressed with our select level group because there's a bunch of 20-somethings like Gino, who you introduced me to, and was like, this guy's the next star. And like, you have not been wrong about that one. Yeah. Um, I love when Gino is in Europe for three months and still crushing his business. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the younger investor understands the value of creating their, their business around their lifestyle. And yeah. that's different for us that grew up with parents that, like, you know, my grandparents were the greatest generation. You know, my mom learned from them the hard work and go to get a job and work hard. And young bucks are like, nope, nope. I'm going to design, I'm going to travel. Mm-hmm. While I'm traveling, I'll work and make more money than most people doing a nine to five. That's yeah. been the most impressive and inspiring thing from that group. Um, I think that was something I was going to add to that. Uh, what is your superpower? Connection. Yeah. Connection. But more more important um, is the ability to understand the importance of listening when someone is sharing something with me. Mm-hmm. I started my career in radio play-by-play, as I mentioned. Um, and especially in indoor soccer, we had players from all over. Last names were really hard to, uh, to pronounce. <laughs> And I needed something because I, I didn't have a, a color commentary person. I was doing all this, the, the entire broadcast by myself. And so I had to have throwaway things and timeouts and things of that nature. And so I would just read every single bio and retain it. Um, and I've always been pretty good about that. Sports statistics. You want somebody on Sports Almanac or Sports Jeopardy, you want me on your team. I <laughs> promise you that. And a lot of useless knowledge as well. Uh, but I retain the information pretty well. And it allows me to say, hey, Steve's got a really good superpower with this. Mm. He understands um, marketing at a high level and sales at a high level. But this individual and Steve, I know we'll get together. Paul, that's the person I need to connect the two of them. And it's just retaining my listening mm-hmm. is the first part of that superpower. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I remember what I was going to say. Um, I'm going back out in the field these days. And you were kind of like, how are you finding time for this? I know. <laughs> I know. So the team has a KPI, which is Steve needs to be at two appointments a week, mm-hmm. Tuesdays and weekends. Um, weekends? Yeah. Okay. I am having so much freaking fun Yeah. going on appointments, right? And I remember now, like, what did I like um, when I was buying houses? I liked sitting with a homeowner, yep. talking about their problems. What did I not like? Follow up? Right. CRM, right? Escrow, right. any of that stuff, right? I was like, you guys book two appointments for me a week. I'll go. Yep. I don't want to go on like eighty appointments. Right. It's it's that's the way you that's the only way you could do it. Yeah. Right. The follow up part is the part that I'm not I don't love at this phase of my life yeah. either. Like especially if 
you know, I've given you the solutions to your problem, mm -hmm. you know, and if it doesn't make sense, then it's okay. I just, I'm not going to chase you. Right. Right. At this phase, I, yeah. I don't love chase, the chase. For sure. Um, so I want you to think about some last thoughts you want to leave everyone with. But before we go into your last thoughts, we've talked a lot about collective genius, but we haven't talked about how to get a hold of you or, or, or find out more about CG. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Um, the collectivegenius.com is our website. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Leon G. Barnes uh, on both of those. Um, I only have the G on there because of pardon the disruption. And I thank you for that because it sounds, makes me sound very distinguished these days. Um, and for those that don't know, when we first started that show, it seemed like everybody had a third on their last name or a junior or a middle initial. It's like, man, this is too, Leon Barnes is too easy. I have to have a middle initial on here. So thank you uh, for that. But on both of those, um, you know, we are, if you have a Facebook channel, uh, or a Facebook feed and an Instagram feed. We're all over it, so you can follow us on either one of those. Mm -hmm. Guys, we, you know, when the timing is right, our community is perfect for you, but it's got to be the right time for both. It's got to be a good fit for, for both. If you fit that criteria and you want to reach out, we do a consult with everyone. There's no obligation. Um, we want to make sure it's the right fit for everyone um, when they're ready, only when they're ready. And we give away a bunch of free content all the time, so... It's a good follow. Yeah, and it's one of the best things I've ever done for my business. All right, so what are some last thoughts you'd like to leave all the listeners with? Oh, man. Um, hopefully, we gave them a lot here uh, during this time frame, and I'm going to commit to running. However long this was, I'm going to commit to running and re-listening to this. Um, it's a good one, though, man. I, I don't feel like it was long. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I was talking to a friend. The only thing we're missing is a couple beers. Yeah. Um, you know... This is going to sound, um, you know, after everything that we've talked about, uh, I think there's, there's, there's a million opportunities for anyone that's listening to this. Um, and I think it all starts with being a good human being. Like if I look at, if I look at the, what the profile of someone that we want in our community, what makes CG tick, we're 13 years strong, continue to, to, to attract the best investors, that we attract the best people first. Mm. So collaborate on everything. It's not a kumbaya moment, but it's close. Collaborate on everything. Seek guidance. Seek wise counsel. Um, help others, um, regardless if it's the business side or the personal and, and, and this is maybe some of my Midwest values coming out, but it's gotten me to where I am today, mm -hmm. um, probably to a fault at some times. Like, Leon, you're too nice in this particular case. But I'd rather um, err on that side. Um, and so whether it's our community, your personal regional community, local communities, just get involved, um, especially if it's this industry that you want to be successful at. Yeah. What I have found is the more I pour into others, it, it gets, and this is, I know, biblical, but it just comes back tenfold. It, it really, truly does. And that's not just hyperbole. That's not just me. It's, it's factual. I, I see it in my life of connecting. Like the, I made one text to Gary Harper. We had lost our sales trainer 
and we needed to replace it. We can't have an organization that doesn't have, has all these service providers that are referred to us that people say these are the, the best of the best of service providers and we don't have a sales trainer. How is that possible? I didn't know another one, but I knew Gary and I trust Gary because I know where his heart is and I knew that he would not send me someone that would not fit our culture. And that is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Is that when you have, like Gary, it will give you a shirt off his back. Mm-hmm. I know that, right? I know that he would not give me somebody that didn't feel the same way about pouring into others. You pour a little differently than most, but <laughs> you still do pour into and you care about other success. That's yeah. important to our community. And I think that's important for future success, especially the way that, you know, how divided we are as a country yeah. um, and more so here in the last few few years. Right. No, I think that's a great, great message. So again, someone wants to reach out to you, best way? Leon G. Barnes, both Instagram um, and uh, Facebook, and then you can follow us. You can get all of our information, fill out an application, all those things on our website at thecollectivegenius.com. One day we'll get collectivegenius.com, but I'm sure that's pretty pricey. I'm waiting for that day. That's interesting. Me too. That's because you've been squatting on it this whole time, haven't you? If I could have, I would have. (laughs) If I could have, I would have. You know, I tried to buy steve.com. You know, I tried to buy at Steve on Instagram. Okay. These people are unreasonable. Yeah. And what they want for it. You you know, know, at least you're not buying like back in the early days when people were buying Shaq um, handles and they were buying Magic Johns. They're buying all these celebrity names and then holding them hostage to buy it. I mean, that's to me, you're buying someone else's name. Now, if your name is Michael Jordan, all right, no problem. But if your name is not Michael Jordan, you shouldn't be squatting on that. (laughs) Makes total sense. All right. Well, it was an absolute pleasure. Same. Thank you so much. Long time coming. Thank you. Long time coming. And you're the only person, one of the few people that I'll get up at 4 a.m. for wake up to get to (laughs) to Phoenix. (laughs) All right. Perfect. Perfect. And then I will see you next week. Looking forward to it. At Collective Genius in San Diego. Yep. See you guys later. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors.